Very quick disclaimer for this week's episode, just in case people are thinking what's going on. I'm having to record with headphones rather than normal, normally recording with a mic. So Chris's audio is going to sound much better than mine this week. Ooh, crisp. We're in the process of putting a new kitchen in, so there's no power. Also, if this episode cuts off at like, I don't know, like half an hour, that means my laptop's died and I can't <laughs> record anymore. So Yeah, uh, and then I'm just gonna be doing the rest of the podcast by myself. Yeah. Talking to myself. Yeah. Like a true champion, Chris will just carry on and <laughs> assume that I've just I've just gone and it's yeah. cut off so apologies in advance if you hear any rustling or anything like that or if it doesn't sound to the normal quality that we try to uphold here at our professional podcast but uh you, you know, know in these trying times you just got to do what you got to do get that shit done must. make the thing yeah make the thing and that's what we're bloody doing bloody making the thing yeah Welcome back to the Get Real Podcast, the podcast where we get real about all our favourite pop culture films and TV shows. And with me, as always this week, is my brother in arms, Sam. Wagwan. <laughs> Excellent. Roll call from Sam, let's go. This is so the today's second episode. time we've recorded that intro and that was a much, much different... <laughs> <laughs> much different uh, attempt at it. Goodness. Yeah. So this week's episode is going to be covering Spike Lee's newest film, The Da Five Bloods. I went to say The Five Bloods, it's Da Five Bloods. Yeah, you got to get it right. Da Five Bloods. <laughs> da Five Bloods. And But first, we're going to do a little bit of news, a couple of little trailers coming out. Very so good. we'll jump into that straight away. In terms of news, we've got some dates being pushed back for films yet again. Tenant has been pushed back a couple of weeks and in honour of that, they are re-releasing inception into the cinemas yeah on the, the original tenant release date yeah it's the anniversary of inception isn't it so they decided yeah. to put that out seeing as everything else seems to be de- getting delayed again somewhat i mean it's still a film that'll bring people to the cinemas so it's a, it's a good thing like a yeah. lot of people didn't get to see that on the big screen when it first came out i no. don't think so it's definitely a film you want to see on the big screen Oh yeah. yeah, I didn't see it in the cinema, but I w- I want to go see it in the cinema. At yeah, some point. I just watched it really late. I remember there was loads of hype about it, and people were saying go see it in the cinema. And for whatever reason, I ended up just watching it at home, or I think it went out on like a streaming service or something. So I picked it up as soon as it came out on Blu-ray and just smashed it. I was like, oh my god, this is so good. Yeah, um, Wonder Woman eighty four has been delayed to October second. 2020 so this year it's still coming out this year it's been pushed back a couple of months there was a bit of confusion about it because there was a few cinema chains saying that it was coming out at thanksgiving which i believe is later i believe uh, yeah thanksgiving is in november just before black friday isn't it yeah um and also i saw one tweet saying it was coming out august next year Okay, Which wow. I was like, they're not going to push it back an entire year, hopefully. So apparently now, Patty Jenkins has tweeted out that it's coming out October 2nd. So that's when Wonder Woman has been pushed back to. That's it's not that get... far, it's only like a month and a bit. Because that's where we get all of our news now. We get it from Twitter, don't we? Get it from people <laughs> apparently. tweeting, Gal Gadot tweeting. Yeah, because apparently news headlines are just even more lies than they already were lately. But that's a different subject matter. <laughs> I think that's it for news, really. Um, I think you said that Matrix and King Kong productions have been pushed back, so they're getting delayed, but we didn't have a set-in-stone date for them anyway. Yeah, the date, I think, is just 2022, I think, they've been delayed to. Yeah, because they were meant to be, like, summer 2021, I think, weren't they? Yeah. There is a little bit of news that's kind of kind of related to movies somewhat, but there is a new Star Wars game announced, Chris, which is pretty cool. Oh, yeah, uh, well, there's been plenty of news in the world of gaming. The PlayStation 5 reveal, like you said, there's a new Star Wars game being announced the day that this podcast goes live, am I right? Uh, I believe so, yeah, yeah. So uh, we're recording this pretty late, so that'd be tomorrow? Yeah, Monday tomorrow. So, yeah, it's exciting. We'll get a little bit of a gameplay trailer. So it's called Star Wars Squadrons. It looks like it's going to be somewhat of a Rogue Squadron-style game, you know, like a flying game that we, uh, old school flying games, which is pretty cool. Maybe. Yeah, so just before 
Battlefront was coming out, or that was being worked on, they were actually working on a new sort of Squadrons-esque game, because me and Sam a while ago had a, a really weird night where we just looked into all the cancelled Star Wars games. You did um, so with much fury, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I was so angry about it. Um, but they were working on sort of like a a new version of, you know, the X-Wing and the TIE Fighter pilot games that came out okay sick so this is probably a new version of that although that one also had like ground combat like an fps game so this is probably just aerial combat yeah i think it's uh it's another ea game so they still got the license which we'll see whether they've learned from their <laughs> mistakes never gonna with... give up that license no and they're never gonna let you down chris no they're <laughs> always gonna let you down sorry i got it wrong <laughs> shade, shade. <laughs> not sponsored by ea as you can tell well they didn't let us down as much with uh fallen order that wasn't too bad that was no, pretty that was good, good to be fair trailers trailer trash is it time for trailer trash i've got to be careful how loud i do that because uh, this microphone's just like so unstable i'm using like <laughs> just... an apple headphone microphone because <laughs> it was just desperate out. times desperate measures <laughs> Digital distortion. Yeah, I'm watching. I'm watching the game, and I'm like, every time I see it going into the yellow, I'm like, oh, speak a little bit quieter, speak a little bit softer. Brilliant trailers. Bill and Ted three. Face the music. Bill and Ted. Face the music. There we go. <laughs> so this is the long-awaited sequel to yeah. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Was the f- first one. I'm going to be honest, Chris, I've never actually watched the Bill and Ted films, the originals. Oh, you've not seen them? No. I really liked them as a kid, and now I can barely remember anything from them except for them playing games with death. Yeah. Uh, pulling people through time, and excellent! See, I know, I get the vibe. I get the vibe of them, and I get what, what they're about, but I've never actually sat and yeah. watched them. So, I know loads of people are really hyped for this film, and... Like when the trailer came out and everyone was like buzzing about it, I was like, "Oh yeah, like it must be like a return to force type thing." And I watched the trailer and I was like, "It feels like they're trying a bit too hard to be these characters again because they're so like, like it was twenty five plus years ago that they played these characters, like mm. thirty years ago probably." So it it felt a little bit forced to me. I'm not sure. Like the trailer made me a bit worried about this film now. I think it was more Keanu. That I'm having like str- like problems with in terms of we've seen him in John Wick. We've seen him as the same character that he is in John Wick in Cyberpunk so far. It's like he he yeah. plays those characters now, and it's like seeing him like clean shaven and trying to do this like humor. It's so odd, man. It's just really yeah. Weird. Like when was the last time we did a comedy? Well, probably Bill and Ted. <laughs> probably Bill and Ted. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it looks. You know what? It looks fun. It looks really fun. Yeah. It, it looks like it's going to have like very much nostalgia, Back to the Future vibes mm-hmm. and stuff to it as well. Yeah. I, I mean, the bit at the end of the trailer where they find their other selves <laughs> and they're just these prison beefheads that have uh, yeah. obviously done a song that's a little bit controversial to put in the trailer. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like, So basically... In the Bill and Ted films, they're trying to make a song that'll unite the world and like save the world's future and stuff from war and everything. Mm. So in this, they still haven't made that one song that's united the world, so they're going through time to try and steal the song from themselves at some point in the future. Mm. So, do you know what? It was a very short trailer. I feel like if we got a full-length trailer, it might make us all feel a bit safer about this film. Yeah, I'm quite, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think all the trailers this week I'm actually looking forward to, to be yeah. fair. I think it's been a, a decent uh, decent week for new films coming out. Yeah, so the next one we'll talk about then is the one that seems to be getting a lot of headlines at the moment, is Eurovision. Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams. Fantastic. This is uh, Blades of Glory all over. It, it is literally Blades of Glory on Eurovision. <laughs> like, this seems pretty funny, and, like, I am someone that will probably sit down most years with my girlfriend, because, like, my girlfriend and her family love the Eurovision and stuff like that, so, like, it it's a funny night just to laugh at people, essentially. Yeah. Um, so, like, a Will Ferrell comedy about it. It's coming straight to Netflix next month, I believe it said July 26th. Mm-hmm. Which is normally round about the time that the Eurovision airs. Maybe that, like, 
Maybe that's on purpose. <laughs> well, it's not. They're not actually doing the Eurovision this year. They're just releasing the songs, aren't they, on like an album? Oh, I don't know. Um, so I, I don't believe it's happening anyway because of everything going on. Um, no, but it's normally around this time. It's normally around, um, yeah, yeah, normally around the end of July. I'm actually again. I I was thinking when I heard about this film. I mean, I I tend to don't really tend to watch the Eurovision anyway. But in terms of like after I watched it. It actually seems like it's going to be quite quite good. It seems like almost like a a bit of a return to form for Will Ferrell. From obviously he yeah. did uh, he was in what was he in recently? Man, Blades of Glory. But recently he was in Between Two Ferns, was he with uh, Zach Galifianakis? He was. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And I felt like he was kind of a bit forced in with that, but. I think this is going to be quite quite good because he's not he's going to play a much different character because obviously he's got to play an Icelandic person, you know what I mean? And <laughs> it's, it's very different to the normal Will Ferrell that we get, and I think it's going to be quite. I think that's going to help the Humorland Hume, plus yeah. Rachel McAdams as well. I'm hoping this is like you said a bit more like Blades of Glory and stuff like that, where he like really took on like a weird character as opposed to like Holmes and Watson was shocking mm. and like he, he wasn't really doing much in that. He was just being a fucking idiot. Um, so i'm hoping this is a bit more like his classic comedies yeah and it's got Piers brosnan in it as well which (laughs) you were like is that Piers brosnan i was like yeah it is why is he in this film (laughs) i got such like thor vibes from his costume for the uh (laughs) whatever they were doing it was if uh, will ferrell was thor yeah funny (laughs) funny time brilliant and then the final trailer was for seven five zero zero so this is an Amazon Prime original by the looks of it. Mm. And it's got Joseph Gordon-Levitt playing a pilot of a hijacked plane. And it seems like most, if not all, the film is going to take place within the cockpit. So it seems like quite a little claustrophobic type thriller. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of, was it 47 Hours, where it was filmed just in the canyon? Uh, 127 hours. 100, sorry, I, I, that was the maths was wrong on that, wasn't it? <laughs> me. Uh, yeah, it reminds me a little bit of that, or like that film where it was, was it Ryan Reynolds who was stuck in like buried. a... Buried. Yeah, buried as well. It, it's going to have like that kind of vibe where the whole film's going to be shot from a cockpit and then you're just going to see screens of what's going on. Yeah. And I think that is probably what's going to make this film very, very interesting and potentially really good as well. Yeah, I feel like the concept has been done so many times that the film might not have been that interested, and they probably wouldn't have got Joseph Gordon-Levitt without there being some way of him flexing his acting skills in a new way. Yeah. Um, On IMDb, (laughs) the description for this film is literally a pilot's aircraft is hijacked by terrorists. That's that's the one. It's just one line. Very good IMDb. Very good. (laughs) That's literally what it seems to be. (laughs) <laughs> don't want to give too so, much away yeah so it looks all right uh, like i'm intrigued to see his performance because he is a great actor so that's what like the only reason i'm interested in this if it was like liam neeson doing it or something like that i would have been like nah show it <laughs> yeah i quite like i quite like Joseph gordon levitt i don't think we've had him in much recently have we uh he's been too busy doing his podcast yeah probably um Speaking of Amazon Originals then, I actually started watching last night, but I didn't get through it all because I had other stuff to do. I had The Five Bloods to watch. Mm-hmm. I started watching Amazon's original The Vast of Night, which was like, it's set in the 50s and it's like two high school kids like trying to uncover like a mystery that might be like a secret like alien invasion type thing. But it's really interestingly shot. Like I got, I think, an hour into the film and there was only three scenes it's like really long takes and like this like uh, uh 7500 reminded me of it like there's mm. a scene which is like i think 15 minutes long or something of this girl working in a telephone switchboard room and she's trying to like figure out like where's this mysterious weird frequency coming from and she's getting like weird calls from people in danger and stuff like that and it's like really interestingly shot because it's just like long takes like the camera won't cut it'll follow them through this whole set and everything and it felt like a classic, like, um, radio drama. Mm-hmm. Felt like a modern radio drama, which was pretty cool. I, I kind of want to finish it. It's not going to be for everyone because it is very slow. Yeah. Sounds well, good, though. I, I'll go yeah. check it out. And and speaking of Amazon Prime as well, we're going to be getting Guns Akimbo coming to Amazon Prime. 
Oh, that's that's a really funny film. I've not. Have I've you seen it, it already. Oh, I've not <laughs> seen it yet. Not seen it yet. It's really funny. It's bizarre, and it's just it's just sort of like a trash like have a few beers and just have like a bowl of popcorn next year on a Saturday night type thing. Like your girlfriend's fallen asleep already, so you put Guns Akimbo on. <laughs> Very good. I mean, it's, like that's exactly how I watched it. <laughs> I mean, we're not getting um, new films as such coming out as much as what we'd like to expect this year. So, yeah, go if yeah. you haven't seen that, go check it out. Cause, uh, Chris, it's uh, it's really funny. It. It's definitely worth a watch. Very good, very good. So, I mean, we've got to forget about all that now, Chris, because we've got to talk about main topic for this week, which is Da Five Bloods, the new Spike Lee joint that landed on Netflix this week. Indeed. So, um, we'll do non-spoilers and spoilers for this i suppose because yeah spike lee films always have a little bit of a twist in them and they're very very good so for listeners that haven't checked out the five bloods or haven't seen it yet chris do you want to summarize in a non-spoiler way what this film's about okay yeah elevator pitch elevator pitch go four vietnam vets return back to Vietnam to find gold that they buried during the war as retributions for America's treatment of black GIs after the Vietnam War. Very good. In a nutshell. That, that's the elevator pitch. It's a bit I, a, I don't think you can sum it up any better than that, could you? It's a bit of a heist film, in a way, isn't it? It's like a... Almost, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, it's got like that little bit of a vibe to it, but it's like it's, it's, it's a film of two halves, I'd say, this one. Definitely a film of two yeah. halves. So... Yeah, it's got a massive, like a really good cast. So you've got Delroy Lindo, uh, Jonathan Majors, Clark Peters, Norm Lewis, Isaiah Whitlock Jr., and then obviously Chadwick Boseman in the flashbacks. And Gene Reno is in there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, great actors. You'll definitely know them from loads of places. Um, if you don't necessarily know your, uh, know the names, if you just look at the IMDb, you'll be like, oh, of course, that's where I know him from. Like Isaiah Whitlock Jr. was in uh, The Wire playing Clay Davidson. And he, he got his line in the film. It was the best moment of the film for me. <laughs> Shit. A lot of these actors as well have been in previous Spike Lee films. So you've got oh, yeah, definitely. one of them, I think it was Clark Peters, was, oh no, uh, Delroy Lindo. One of them was in Malcolm X. Uh, Delroy Lindo. And then one of the supporting actors, um, the guy with the moustache, uh, who worked Gene for Reno. the bomb disposal unit. Uh, yeah, Jasper, um, Seppo, Seppo in the film is called. Oh, Seppo. He was he's in a he's in uh, Black Klansman as well. So okay, there's yeah. a couple of faces that you end up recognizing. It's a bit like how Nolan has a, a go-to cast, I suppose that he uh, yeah, you know, takes takes people that he's worked with before, which is mm-hmm. cool. And um, you might have also noticed there's a, a Vietnamese newscaster in here as well, uh, who actually is Paige uh, Tico. In Star Wars. Oh, that's where I recognised her the from. The one who goes Black GI and says it like it's yeah. been copied and pasted throughout. She's the- she's actually playing a real life um, Viet Cong like propaganda um, news reporter. That's pretty cool. That was a real life character. That very cool. Uh, well, this is uh, it's not a true story as such, but this is actually influenced by um, some soldier, a group of soldiers that fought in Vietnam as well, which is quite yeah. cool. Uh, I don't think this film could have come at a better time. I think it's a perfect, perfect time to release this film, not yeah. only on the um, obviously the anniversary of the death of Martin Luther King, but mm-hmm. also with everything going on if, with the Black Lives Matter movement and. You know, I think just generally around the world, I think it's not only have we, it's a great time for us to be graced with a Spike Lee film because we know Spike Lee films are always going to be top notch, but also to have. Some, and very topical. Yeah, very topical. But to also have something that talks about and, um, you know, gives a, gives an insight into, you know, bl- black, uh, you know, the, the treatment and stuff during the Vietnam War and, you know, such yeah. tasteful, topical intros and outros to this film as well. Um, I was quite surprised, and we'll, we'll talk about it later on, but what they included at the end and um, the some of the shots from the beginning, you can tell, like, that this film was done and then they've gone back and just put these bits in to make it relevant to, as well, even more relevant to what's been going on in the world right now. 
Yeah, so we got the trailer announcing the release date before, obviously, uh, all the protests and everything started in the world that's happening at the moment. So I think it was just almost like a major stroke of luck that everything sort of coincided. Obviously, they were releasing it um, in line with Martin Luther King and stuff like that. Like, and it just seems to have fallen on the same time that everything has happened in the world. And it seems to be the best stroke of luck. It just like gave this film like an extra impact because it's so in the zeitgeist right now. Yeah, yeah. And I think I don't think it meant that I enjoyed it more than what I would have done if it just came out. I, I you know, I enjoyed this film a lot anyway. But I yeah. just think it was like really, I, I was I was happy that it's came out now. Yeah, because I reckon it, it felt right. It, like I, I feel like it it made you connect with it a bit more because obviously it's so in your mind at the moment. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You didn't need to get to a place where it connected with you. Like it was just, it's been in the forefront of your mind for the past couple of weeks. Yeah. So now like this film just like hit every part of your brain that was going at the moment. Mm-hmm. I really liked, because this film has like a lot of flashback sequences in in mm. it. And you find out pretty, pretty early on that Chadwick Boseman's character doesn't make it in vietnam he he dies yeah. in vietnam in action uh, and i really liked how the editing was when you do those flashbacks it's like that whole super eight kind of you know mm-hmm. different aspect ratio and uh, different colors and loads of film grain in the flashbacks i liked that and i like that typical spike lee when they're talking about something or a character shows someone something you have the um like it flashes up on the screen so you can see it properly so like when he's yeah. showing photos of his family and stuff it it comes up on the screen yeah it's, it cuts away yeah. to real life events and stuff like when they're talking about things from like black history and stuff like that which a lot of it is like deep cut stuff that a lot of people won't learn about um but like he'll write it in the script because he knows about it and stuff like that and he wants other people to know about it so when they say the line like they'll flash it up on screen so it's like this is real historical context for you like we're not just chatting out of our ass this is real stuff like you think this is outlandish well it's real yeah and i like how modern modernly relevant it is as well you know like Mm -hmm. the whole make america great again references and the caps and you know you literally have that flashback to uh, a trump rally where there's the guys saying black for trump in the background and then yeah they're having a conversation around the table and it flicks back to that it's crazy there's one amazing shot of that that we'll talk about in spoilers later on there is one absolutely fantastic shot that just nailed it with, oh, with Spike Lee oh. films, there's always more behind what's going on. There's always He's like such a smart guy. Yeah, there's always brilliant filmmaking. Uh, there's always brilliant meanings behind everything, and we'll delve into some of them as we get on to the film. Um, yeah, I think this film touches on some really interesting points. Not only the, um, you know, the the racism and the prejudice against uh, black soldiers that served in Vietnam, but also, Mm -hmm. I suppose, from the Vietnamese perspective as well. It kind of walks a weird line in this because, you know, America attacked Vietnam and it's from their perspective as well, where they're saying that they've lost people, but then again, like, on the, the side of the soldiers, it's like, yeah, we lost people as well. And we've got prejudice because of it. And it's yeah. an interesting turn how when you have those interactions, like in the bar and stuff, where there's there's still prejudice, but it's prejudice because them being GIs rather than yeah. it's yeah, it's it's very interesting the line that it walks between that. Yeah, like the Vietnam War is not really something that we learn about in the UK. It's not touched on at all in history lessons or anything. I mean, basically it is zero, a, isn't it? It's like we don't we yeah, didn't learn the, anything about we, it. We didn't learn anything about that, the Cold War or anything. It's literally just like, look what Britain did in World War II. Let's gloss over the bad things that Britain's ever done. Mm. Like, like, we don't learn about this stuff. And it's something that I've always been interested in is like learning more about this sort of stuff. And when I grew up watching like Vietnam films and stuff like that, I would, I think it was the first time I watched Apocalypse Now. I was like, I want to know more about this. So like, mm. I looked into it and stuff like that. So it was really nice to see things brought up in this film that otherwise a lot of people wouldn't know. Obviously, a lot more Americans would know about it because it was, it was their war essentially. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it was really interesting. And you had um, 
So, like, they just drop statistics on you, like, at that point in time in the 60s, um, it was 11% of the population were black, but 32% of the military in um, Vietnam were black. Like, that number is astonishingly disproportionate, especially because it was drafted as well. It was a drafted war. You didn't get a choice whether you went or not. You either went to prison or you went to war. So people were deciding to send these people to war. Yeah. And then when they came back, they were told, like, they'll get glory. They'll like be retributions for what they sacrificed in the war and everything like that. And they came back to a country that was just as much systematically racist as it was when they left. Yeah, yeah, like it, the injustices that they went through, and, and I love the fact that it covered the uh, the buoy doy as well. I might be pronouncing that wrong. Mm. Um, the children of the dust. So these were the children um, of the American GIs and the native Vietnamese women uh, that were left behind after the war. Which that is a completely separate issue in the East as well. Is um, these children never fit into any world? They were ostracized by their own people for being um, children of the enemy, essentially. Yeah, and to touch on that as well, um, there's a movement called the uh, Lai Dai Han. If you go mm-hmm. on to the internet and Google Lai Dai Han, um, it, it talks about the support for those women who were those children. And, the, mm-hmm. you know, no, sorry, the, the women who lost their children and, and also the children of the Vietnamese War. Uh, it's a very, very interesting uh, area to learn on. So I'd absolutely go and check yeah, them definitely. out and learn a little bit about that. Although it's a very um, oh, perfect timing for an alarm to be going off, Sam. Um, <laughs> although it's a very grim story and it's by you know by no means a pleasant thing to read through, it's definitely worth going and, and upskilling yourself on that, absolutely. Yeah, it's something that people should know about. Um, but it's just like I hadn't really heard of it for a long time and then like when I found out about it I was like this is something that everybody should really know about like mm. there's so many things like this that are just swept under the rug like this is like a massive thing in the world and it's just completely ignored yeah and that's what I always enjoy about Spike Lee films you always kind of want to go and find out more after you've seen them it's a bit yeah. like because you've not seen Black Klansman yet have not you? yet I know we no. spoke about it a few episodes ago but after I watch Black Klansman and you see, you, you'll obviously learn a lot about the KKK within that film and how the how they work. It yeah. does kind of want you to go and find out more and see what, you know, is this really as big as what you think it is? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like you, you, you think that things like the KKK and white supremacy in more modern America is, isn't as big as what it what it actually is and i think when you go and do your own research it does make you realize so yeah. um yeah I, in this film those flashbacks i it's were so when you've got the flashbacks with norman chadwick, chadwick boseman's yeah. character storming norman as he's as he's better known in this film yeah and then you've got the origin the you know the four other guys the the main cast yeah are they because when I when I first saw that flashback, I thought that they were actually their current age, and it was just they are. Yeah, that's right, isn't it? Yeah, and I think there's only a there's only like a colorized photo at the end that it flashes up at the beginning that's in black and white, where yeah. they've actually got like shaved younger faces and stuff. So I, I was because when I got to the end and I saw that photo that flashed up, uh, not a spoiler by the way, it's just a part of the ending. Um, yeah, it's just a photo. <laughs> yeah, it's just a photo. Um, I, I thought, like, oh, hang on, have I have I got this wrong in the flashbacks? Did they look like that? But no, I, I really enjoyed how they decided to keep them their current age and Norman as as his age because yeah. it kind of makes that flashback feel as though how they would remember him and how they remember, like, how they would see themselves. That's now. exactly it. Yeah, and you notice most of the times when you go into the flashbacks, it's normally from Paul's perspective. Because it's really Paul, the one that's struggling with it most. He's like, like they're all suffering from PTSD and stuff like that. But his character is dealing with it in a way that even he feels isolated from the rest of his group. Like he feels like so much guilt about it and like such dr- drastic like uh, effects of the PTSD. Yeah, they always. It's it, like you said, it's his memories of it. So he's like his memory of himself from them and now probably doesn't feel that different. Like he is the same person. So that's why they don't look any different. Whereas 
they don't have any point of reference for Storm and Norman at an older age. Like he died at that age, so he he will forever be that person to them. Yeah, and the gold in this is really just a bit of a MacGuffin to move the story along. It goes a lot, a lot deeper than that that you start to yeah. realize. Um, so that's kind of why it's a bit of a heist film, but not a full-on heist film for me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. It is really Paul's story, and then touching on the others as well. Um, it's a you know it's it's a it's a really good film. It's definitely worth a watch, seeing as it's on Netflix. It's really oh, a film yeah. that you would expect to be launched in cinemas, but obviously with everything going on right now, you probably can't get it in cinemas. But mm-hmm. absolutely, if you have a Netflix subscription, go and check out The Five Bloods 100%. I uh, would have happily have paid to see this in the cinema. Yeah, I mean, I'd happily go and pay to see it in the cinema again. Yeah. Like, absolutely an amazing film. Really, really yeah. good. It, it, I, it hits you at the right times, like... The emotional beats, like, they hit you at the right times. And they're not overly done. It's not overly played out. It feels raw. It feels good. Like, like there were many times in this I was like, oh, man, like, it just hit you. And you just sort of, like, had to breathe with the characters. The characters have to breathe after it as well. Yeah, as well. I think that when you watch it for the first time, I think it had a bit of a, a, bit of a Parasite-esque pace into it where the first half of the film was pretty a lot slower i'd say yeah and it's then once they actually start to go out to get the gold it really starts to pace up and things start happening really quick which is about about at the halfway moment of the film um but yeah i mean if you watch it and you get that feeling that i'm mentioning like what you'd get in parasite just stick with it because it definitely definitely has payoffs in this film yeah if you it's definitely it. like you said it's a film of two halves like it changed like quite dramatically like I, it the second half of the film didn't go anywhere near where i thought the film was gonna go no i agree um, i agree it, in a good way in a good way definitely like i was pleasantly surprised by it i felt a little bit uncertain about it until everything resolved and then i was like wow that was that was really well done. Yeah, hundred percent. So, would you give it a, a bin or a binge? I think we'd definitely give it a binge. Oh, binge, binge, binge. It's not a TV yeah. show, but you should binge this whole film and not watch it. <laughs> it in... is, it is two and a half hours, so it is a bit of a binge. Yeah, I mean, I watched it in like three parts, so try not to do that because I definitely would have got more out of it if I had just watched it in one go. But yeah, yeah, I, got I sat there in one sitting and watched it all, and it was fantastic. Yeah, awesome. So we'll move on to spoilers, and we're going to talk all the film's plot now. Uh, so if you haven't seen the film, it's a perfect time to jump off, go watch it, come back, listen to the end of the podcast, and stick with us if you've already seen the film to hear what we're going to talk about. Yeah. Spoilers. 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 The Five Bloods not making it home from this, like, turning on each other in certain parts, and also, like, the fact that they go to bring back a fallen comrade, and then it seems to be only the fallen comrade that comes home from this. Well, it's... Well, no, it's that's not totally true. One of the guys makes it, doesn't he? Because he has his Yeah, he does uh, make it, but you don't see him leave Vietnam. He goes to meet his daughter, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Well... I think right so let's let's cover it off so each character kind of has their own own arc and own personality yeah. like their own kind of place that they sit within this story so Paul is clearly cu- like suffering from uh, PTSD he's also suffering with inner demons so you kind of see throughout this film his descent into madness uh, because mm-hmm. he feels responsible for Norman's, Norman's death. which he And does... he's also the only one that knows about it. The other guys don't know about how he died. Yeah, and he does accidentally bring his AK round or his assault rifle round and shoot, shoot him by mistake. Mm-hmm. But he feels responsible for it. And it's only later on in the film where you have that moment where Norman, you know, he has that flashback or 
he has that moment because of the his, vision. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's not a flashback as such because it's him. It's his conscience, like telling yeah. him that it was an accident and learning to accept it. That he then comes to peace. So that's his struggle. You've got the struggle of the guy who makes it through. I should really have the names of the characters up in front of me. Uh, Otis, played by Clark Peters. Yeah, so Otis's character makes it through to the end, but he's got that kind of thing where he's struggling to to figure out if his if his uh, partner will just say um, is going against him or not on the side, and then he's got that daughter yeah. that he didn't know about. Um, you've then got uh, you've then got Eddie, who yeah. is there, you know, because he's financially struggling. He's got mm-hmm. businesses and stuff where he owes out, you know, he's got maxed out credit cards and stuff. To me, the only one who didn't have as much of a tragic issue was Melvin. So he was just kind of the kind of the glue of the group keeping them together. And the way yeah. he goes out is a perfect representation of how he is gluing that group and how he's supporting his brothers instead. Yeah. So my my thing with this film was like when they started to get killed off i was a bit disappointed i was a bit like i don't want them to turn on each other I don't want them like because it felt a bit unjustified like they were going over there as brothers to bring like back a fallen brother i was mm-hmm. like i kind of wanted the emotional resolve of them being able to work through the demons instead of being killed but then the way that all the arcs resolved like uh like you said norman lewis is eddie he was the only one out of them that wanted to give the money back to the black community, which is what they originally said. That's what Storm and Norman wanted. Mm. Um, and in the end, his share does go to the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, he was broke, but he was still going there to give the money to other people, not for himself. He was the only one that didn't want the cut for himself. Yeah. Um, you had, like you said, Melvin didn't have the biggest arc, but he shows you the picture of his wife and his son and their neighbourhood has been like taken over a bit by thugs and stuff like that. So he wanted the money so that he could get his wife and his child to safety in a safer neighbourhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also says at the beginning of the thing, like they're talking about the 18-year-old lad that jumped on a grenade to save his teammates. And he said, you wouldn't catch me doing that. Um, like they haven't done anything for me. But then he is the one that in the end jumps on the grenade to save his allies. Yeah. So that's his character arc there. Um, yeah, like you said, like Paul gets bitten by the snake and then he starts having, like, he starts talking directly to camera, which is like a Spike Lee, like, classic trope is like people talking directly into camera. Yeah, I really um, enjoyed all the choices that they made, like, once he starts to go into madness, where he's yeah. like, you know, where he's going through the forest and he's talking to the camera. And yeah, I really liked that moment where it took a turn with Paul. Yeah, because you start to dislike his character a little bit because, like, he's he's neglecting his son, he's um, accusing his uh, brothers of uh, everything, he's Mm. kidnapping the Islam mine um, surveyors, and but then, like, when he starts to get the he gets the snake bite and starts talking directly to camera, it really humanizes his character and he starts to resolve his demons, like you said. Yeah, and it's kind of because he feels like he's already a bad person. He feels he's already there because he, he killed Norman and mm-hmm. he doesn't see it. He sees himself as solely responsible for that and he sees himself as a demon. You know what I mean? So he doesn't yeah. have as much of a problem with, you know, the you know, killing or, you know, capturing the, the landmine crew and make you know, betraying his brothers because he feels yeah. like he's already done that. So it's that moment once he realizes that it, well, he doesn't. He realizes, but he doesn't get the chance to redeem that to them. Where yeah. he realizes that he didn't do that to Norman, and that he shouldn't have betrayed his his friends and his yeah. you know, his brothers in arms. But obviously, you don't. It's a shame we didn't have that moment where they reunite again. And yeah, you know, it, it takes a turn after he finds Norman's body because I, f- I almost feel like once he. Once they find Norman's remains, he speaks to Norman's bod- uh, Norman's remains, doesn't he? Yeah. And that's like a moment where he's come to terms with the monster that he is, because it's after that, and after they get the gold, that they start that he really starts to turn nasty. 
Mm-hmm. So it's almost like, okay, right, I've I've come to terms now. This is the kind of person that I am. And obviously there's PTSD mixed in there as well. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, it's it's really interesting the more you think about his arc. And yeah, it that, that moment with him and Norman is where where he took where he you know he hugs him and stuff. It's yeah. an absolutely beautiful moment. Yeah. Really, and, really good. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, like these, it was the ending of the stories that really resolved it for me, which made me okay with the way that it ended as well. And because, like I said, I feel like it, it's sort of like a classic trope, sort of like the cursed gold type thing. Everybody that touches it ends up dying type thing. But also, those were the only four guys that left Vietnam. Storm and Norman didn't leave. But to be honest, they never really left either. So at the end, when you only see storm and norman returning back to u.s soil whereas the rest of them you don't see leave vietnam it's because they never left mm. and they finally gave um, a resolve to storm and norman's character and to his family where you see his body finally returning and he gets a military funeral yeah yeah sure let's talk about that moment where david stands on a landmine and Oof. it doesn't go off and then they have to pull him over with a rope like Holy fucking shit, that was so tense. Like, really, yes. like, tense moment. So after Eddie stood on a landmine, like, I uh, which saw came it coming, out I which, saw yeah. it coming. It was so foreshadowed. Like, the whole, <sighs> like, a lot of the moments in this film were really, really foreshadowed that you could yeah. see. And maybe that's the one, one kind of fault, in a way. I, I mean, this, this film is pretty flawless, to be fair. I think... I think but, it was done intentionally, though, so it didn't bother me. Yeah. But I was just, I was on pins waiting for it to happen because you know it's going to happen. And I guess landmines are one, like the topic of landmines and stuff, and them having that crew where they disarm them, who just yeah. so frankly tends to come along at the right time. But um, <laughs> MacGuffin that that character has built up a bit of a relationship with, and you know, uh, but I guess it's one of them where they could be anywhere. It's not an obvious threat. But yeah. oh, when he got when Eddie got blew up by that landmine, it just came out of left field, and yeah. it's like you knew it was going to happen, but you didn't know when. And See, when I like, got lulled into a false sense of security because I thought it was going to happen. You know, when the first scan in the mountainside for the gold, and yeah. he's using the metal detector, I was like, oh no, he's going to find a landmine. Like I was like, I know it's going to be a landmine, and one of them's going to try and dig out the gold, and they're going to get blown up. But it doesn't happen. But yeah, then when Eddie's like walking backwards, yeah. I was like, I was like. No, they they've avoided it once. Maybe this is not where the film's going, mm. and then it just happens, like you said, out of nowhere, and you're like, "Fuck!" Yeah, because it's like there's enough happens where where when they're digging up the gold, I felt the same thing. I felt right. Oh my god, they're gonna because they looked in shock first before they actually pull gold out, and they mm-hmm. look almost like scared. And I thought, like, I thought the same thing. I thought they found a landmine. But then yeah. enough happens between that point and then finding Norman's remains and then Eddie being blown up by a landmine to make you forget about what's just happened as well. Mm-hmm. But the whole that whole moment where David stood on it and he has to stay still and then they're bringing him the rope and it's like that kind of back and forward one shot between them at the rope and then he walks over to him and he has that conversation and walks back to the rope. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's so tense. Very, it, like, it was so really good. tense. Yeah, because I, because that moment had just happened. You didn't know whether like he was going to make it out or not. Because mm. it, it just destroyed that faith that you had with like the director that everybody was safe. Like now, all of a sudden, no one's safe. Yeah, it's crazy, and it? it's really good. I don't. Um, I mean, there's. I mean, there's. Um, there's a couple of other bits that happen in the film. Is there anything else like big that you want to talk about? Um, I just wanted to talk about like a couple of like the subtle things, like like you said with the MAGA hat, the Make America Great Again hat, yeah, like stuff like that. Like so, everybody that wears that hat or like that hat becomes the symbol of greed in the film. Like we all know Spike Lee's perception of uh, Donald Trump; he's not quiet about it at all. Um, like so, we all know how he feels about it. So the fact that one of his characters, which is like the central arc of this character, is like. How, wearing the hat and stuff like that, but then everybody that gets possession of the hat uh, sort of comes to their greed. So um, the Vietnam, um, like the the guy with the AK that stops him to begin with, he takes the hat and like takes it off him, and that's him getting greedy over the gold. So then he dies, and then at the end you see um, Gene Reno's 
um, character wearing it after mm-hmm. they've killed Paul. He takes the hat as sort of a sign of just there, like, <laughs> make America great again. Yeah, I just killed your friend. I'm going to kill you for this gold as well. So yeah. he's succumbing to the greed. And um, so I watched a video before this by um, Think Story on YouTube. Um, great, like, uh, video essay guy about, like, the deeper meanings and films and stuff like that. And it, he showed clips. There was a clip from um, a Trump rally where he said, my entire life I've been greedy. I've been greedy. I wanted to take all the money for myself. I wanted to take all the money. And then he's like, but now I want to be greedy for America, okay? I want to take all the gold for America, okay? <laughs> so, like, like... It, this is a person built around greed and this hat is a symbol of this person and then throughout the film it's always like that hat is used to symbolize the greed of characters yeah and then we said like that one shot when um when otis gets shot at the end and you don't know whether he's going to make it he's got like his hand over his chest almost like americans do when they salute the flag and he's bleeding out on the floor and they just drop the maga hat on top of him and so you've got like a black guy dying on the floor, still saluting the flag, screaming madness while a MAGA hat is just tossed on top of him. Tell me that is not the biggest visual metaphor for the states at the moment. Mm, mm. Yeah. <laughs> like that shot for me, I was like, oh, yeah. my brain. Very powerful moment. Very powerful moment. And I. I liked the fact that Paul's character got redemption with his son a bit as well. Maybe it's not the redemption that his son was hoping for, but he got the letter um, about how he, he did love him and he's sorry, like he knows he's not been a good father and stuff like that. He's been dealing with the demons and stuff and his son's had to, uh, like it's the sins of the father, isn't it? Like the mm. son's had to deal with these things as well and the son literally had to deal with these things. Like he travelled to Vietnam to try and protect his dad still. Um, but then ended up getting shot and being involved in like a small war essentially yeah so like the sins of the father literally became the sins of the son as well like his son had to kill a guy at the end he got shot like he had to essentially face a lot of the same things that his dad did maybe under different circumstances but so his letter is a final like apology Uh, and it i don't think there's any um coincidence that there's an empty bottle of whiskey there as well like his dad had a lot of demons that he was tackling yeah and um david really had to come to terms with that at the end Mm. yeah because i like how obviously he's dropped in the middle of it and the rest of the guys haven't really lot like forgotten or none of their like survival instincts or combat instincts have really left them Mm -hmm. and he's like this you know he's got this college hat on and he's wearing that college t-shirt and you know he he doesn't he doesn't he wants a cut of the gold but he doesn't want to get dirty for it and then he yeah. progresses into that throughout you know until the end of the film after he gets shot and after he nearly gets blown up by a landmine so yeah um i think as an in a nutshell absolutely yeah as we said in non-spoilers it's such a good film with so many twists and turns um and I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna stand the test of time really well. I think it's. Gonna, yeah. I'm gonna go back and probably rewatch this again because uh, I really want to go back and rewatch Black Klansman as well. Uh, but yeah, I really want to watch that even more now after seeing this. Oh, like I so always good. like Spike Lee films. I've just not got round to Black Klansman yet. Yeah. So if you've gone and seen The Five Bloods and you've not seen Black Klansman yet, uh, it's an awesome film that touches on. Um, touches on the KKK uh, in a more 80s, 90s America. And it's got Adam Driver, uh, David, John John Dave, sorry, yeah, John David Washington in there. Uh, It's got Jasper Parkonen, who's in this film as well, who's the guy who gets um, shot or blown up. I can't quite remember. Uh, The guy with the moustache. Okay. Hello? Hello? You hear me? I know you, mate. You've cut out again. You hear me Hello? now? Yeah, I can hear you now. All right. We're getting so close to the end. We're nearly yeah. there. Uh, it's all right. I, I stopped when you cut off, so it's uh, it's all good. Yeah. Um. Uh, do you need to finish a line then, or can I just talk about Spike Lee for a second? Uh, yeah, well, yeah. Uh, okay. Let me just polish it off. 
Yeah, it's absolutely amazing cast in Black Landsman as well. So uh, definitely, if you have seen The Five Bloods, uh, there's going to be a lot of people out there who watch this film who probably haven't gone back and watched any Spike Lee films just because of it being accessible on Netflix. So 100% go back through his catalogue and check them out because they are very much works of art. Oh, that's what I was about to say. Like, he's so great and it's not a director that a lot of people will have seen his work on because it's not the major films that are always talked about they're a lot slower and they normally get a lot more of a following years after they release so he did like get the right thing and she's got to have it which then she's got to have it he made a netflix series about it instead a few years ago 2017 to 2019 i think it got two series so mm-hmm. he remade his own thing uh, he did Malcolm X, a lot of films. I think Malcolm X is probably his most watched film, but uh, like Do the Right Thing and everything like that are fantastic films. The films that, like I said, fly under the radar until somebody tells you to go check out every Spike Lee film and then you go out and check out every Spike Lee film. So just uh, just do it. Just watch his stuff. It's, it's fantastic. He's such a smart, interesting filmmaker. He also made a lot of Michael Jackson's music videos. Really? Yep. That's an interesting fact that I didn't know. Yeah, it's really cool. He also did a lot of adverts with Michael Jordan in the 90s as well. Very cool. Very cool. He did the um, Air Jordan um, line of adverts. Wicked. So yeah, um, we give the Defy Bloods a solid gold rating. Go and watch it. Did you see what I did there with gold rating? I did, I did. The Get Real stamp of approval. Yep. Um, go check it out and make sure you support our podcast as well. Um, that's all for this week. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Get Real Pod, and you can drop us emails at Get Real Pod UK at gmail.com. And you can support the podcast just by leaving us a, a rating, a review, anything like that. Share us with your friends as much as you can. We're available available anywhere you listen to podcasts, so everybody can listen to us. Um, this is a really important episode to spread out with what's happening in the world right now. It's a really great film that's just come out, so spread the word, spread our review. Just go watch the film, listen to the podcast. It's great. Thank you guys so much for listening again. Uh, hopefully next week the setup will be a bit better. Um, but we made it work. It was a little bit of a struggle, but you guys won't notice because Sam's uh, editing will be seamless. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll hope. <laughs> we'll hope. <laughs> I have every faith in him. Yeah, here we go. And if you prefer the sound of this, I'm more than happy to like sit on my bed and record the podcast all the time <laughs> instead of uh, sitting in front of a microphone. So if this works for you, let me know. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you very much for listening, guys, and we will catch you next Monday. Peace out. See you later. Bye. She. <laughs>